0: All right guys, I'm sitting here with Jean Fal, a self-made millionaire at the age of 24, started to code at 14, and when he started his first company, he had only 52 bucks in his bank account, but he went forward with it anyway. He's now the founding CEO of GetLinks, a talent recruitment platform that has operations across four countries, a team of over 100 employees, and a multi-million dollar valuation. Jean has been named a Forbes 30 Under 30 entrepreneur being one of the youngest tech founders in Southeast Asia with backings from giants like Alibaba. His book, The Adaptive Economy, which I highly recommend to everyone, I just finished, it was awesome, was written to help companies, individuals, and investors navigate and find opportunities in a digitized and post-COVID world. Jean is also starting a technology fund called Atlas Capital next year to invest in projects that drive social impact by raising digital literacy Jean. it is so good to have you here man how you doing
1: yeah awesome thank you so much for your time today
0: yeah no problem man Man, you have a slew of uh of history there could you tell us a little bit about your background from the start of your career until up until now
1: yeah i mean put it in a nutshell it's been a ride <laughs> um my start of my career um i started in, in south of france little, little uh, Fishing Village, that's my mm-hmm. French accent. Um, and uh, I, I got the chance to um, to go to Paris, um, learn a bit of things there, and then uh, from this uh, experience in Paris, uh, graduate and go to Shanghai for the first time. When I received my first big slap in my face, uh, this was, uh, you know, from, from south of France to Shanghai, It is a the big gap, right? And, uh, and being a big fan of Star Wars, I always thought, if I have a chance to you know, walk somewhere or participate to create something, I would like to, to, to see something like Star Wars happening around us, right? Uh, technology uh, and, uh, and, and the power uh honest through technology. And Shanghai really reflected that for me, um, so that hence the, the slap. You know, when you go to Shanghai and you're 20 years old, you're just like, it's going on, right? There's, it's a uh,
0: futuristic city,
1: yeah? Yeah. There's like, you know, it's huge, it's massive, there's these cars everywhere on these, you know, high suspended roads, these uh, air train and, and things like this, and all these lights. It's really look like Coruscant. Um And hence, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but this this feeling that Asia was something something was going on in Asia, which I didn't expect. Um, and that's, um, that's a little bit what teased me to, to, to try to come back after that, uh, and, and ha- somehow to end up, uh, coming to Asia the following year, which was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it's been seven years I spent in Asia and, um, and it's been tremendous opportunities. I think, uh, I think a second slab was really realizing that everything I thought I knew about Asia and its technology, um, which was pretty much rudimentary, you know, elephants and rice and all the stereotypes you can imagine as a, as a, as a French or maybe as a German or as an European, you know, you think Asia is, you know, retarded a little bit, right? Uh, and 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 then absolutely not. Uh, they're actually much more advanced in many domains uh, than you could ever imagine. And, uh, and it's been a, a tremendous way for me to foresee the future a little bit, right? Mm. And when I come back to France now, uh, I kind of feel like, oh, I'm, I'm coming back 10 years ago in the past, right? So I've been doing this, uh, this uh, let, you know, up and down future and past jump. Past the future, yeah. Yeah. Every year now for the past Uh, seven years and um, that gave me a little bit of perspective uh, because I've seen things happening in Asia that had happened already in Europe a few years ago and that gave me an edge to create businesses that were not developed in Asia yet but were about to happen. Mm -hmm. And on the other hand, um, I've seen in Asia things Partially around social media and and, uh, technology and e-commerce, which didn't happen in in Europe before. And and I'm able to connect that with uh, my European peers now. So yeah, it's been a very interesting uh, first decade of work after graduating. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so you you were saying that you you come to Asia and you see all these technological advances. What do you think it is about Asia that makes it so... uh, uh, opportune for all these technological advancements compared to back in Europe.
1: So, <clears throat> firstly, when you look at Europe, we've 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 the chance to have a, a legacy of of couple of hundred years of I would say civilization or what we call civilization, right? Um, so we have a we have phone lines, uh, mm-hmm. we have a TV networks, uh, we have we have vaccines and all these things, and mm-hmm. we have, we have banks, right? Uh, so we feel very comfortable with that. In developing developing countries, uh, in Southeast Asia, particularly, and in in the outer part of, of of modern China, those a lot of people, and we're talking about you know a billion people across China and Southeast Asia, um, were really in the street, I mean, there are no streets. So they were really in the in the jungle or in the farm uh, a couple of decades ago. And all these people have entered the modern civilization really for the past 20 to 30 years. And uh, when they entered, they actually have entered civilization with the latest comfort and technology innovations, uh, which for us in France and in Europe and the US, uh, actually taking a bit of time to be adopted, right? In, in, economists call it the leapfrog, right? So the leapfrog is when uh, you jump from no electricity, no internet, no toilets, <laughs> to everything in one shot and mobile mm-hmm. phone and mobile payment and, and cryptocurrencies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and this is really much what's going on here. And and um, to give you an example, uh, people went from farming um, to selling on Facebook Marketplace within the past decade. You know, within mm-hmm. ten, they went from living outside of a city and making maybe a thousand baht per month uh, to selling their products on Facebook Marketplace and be integrated to the global um, global capitalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- through their mobile smartphone, uh, and, and that's that's just happened in, in, in ten years, or maybe less than that for them. So so you see this process happening with WeChat in China, where all the rural um, population of China is being integrated uh, through WeChat. But you see that in Southeast Asia as well, and it's uh, it's it's there. You can you can see innovation of how those apps are used which have never been thought of in the U.S. or in Europe. Mm-hmm. That's making it very special and, and, and I think um, a very good forecast of what's going to happen in the next decade on social media for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think it's also because like because there's such a difference between a change in lifestyle in Asia from 10 years ago to now, Whereas in Europe, like everyone's like, oh, like everything's pretty developed already and they're pretty c- comfortable and complacent. So there's not that big of a drive to change. Whereas in Asia and in emerging countries, you jump from like to say, you said, like maybe no plumbing or living in the fields to using WhatsApp and all these tech. There's probably more of a, a, a realization and appreciation of development and why people you know, are really, really embracing all these changes. You think that plays Absolutely. a key role too?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in in my book, uh, I, I I mention this is the best time to be humans. Yeah, uh, I mention the the richest barons or queens of of hundred years ago uh, actually actually didn't have any comfort uh, that we could we could have right now, even for the poorest one. Right, the poor mm-hmm. people uh, here, um, let's say in Southeast Asia still have access to 4g mm-hmm. <laughs> and toilets and air condition right um so 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 these these people are really leapfrogging from from nowhere to the global standard of capitalism and our modern society mm-hmm. uh, so yeah absolutely
0: yeah all right man let's uh, now that you mentioned your book we can jump into the book but let, let's let's backstop a little bit because i read your book man i i read the whole thing and Man, it's a really good book. It's like gigantic in scope. It looks into the future. It looks at all these trends, and it also examines all these um, kind of like maybe like character flaws in human beings. And it identifies all these sectors that need to change. It's a it's a big multidisciplinary book, man. So tell me about how you were able to gather all this information and synthesize it and come up with all these,
1: these conclusions on your own. All right. <clears throat> so firstly, um, this is really the, the result of, of, I think, 10 years of trying to surf, searching myself and my place in the world, mm-hmm. um, talking to, you know, a lot of very senior people um, because I was just trying to pick which industries I wanted to walk and to dedicate maybe a few years of my life right so when I was student um, I had a chance to to work with uh, you know a very big corporate company in in consulting like Ernst Young and McKinsey Uh, I I got the chance to intern with uh, with EY I got a chance to work with Google uh, as intern as well and and meeting those people when I was around the 20s open some perspectives about how these people think, right? Mm. Um, and, um, and over the next 10 years, um, traveling across you know, Silicon Valley, um, across Asia and Europe, I've met tremendous people that were really, really experienced and, and much older than me uh, because I was the youngest entrepreneur at that time to, to do those type of things. Mm-hmm. um and um and yeah um i, I just i just humbly took notes <laughs> when they were talking uh yeah. I notes i took videos i took audio recording and uh, the problem was i just didn't have the time to absorb these informations right so i was putting them on my blog uh, but i didn't really have the time to synthesize them uh, and actually analyze them and think, really, because I was building my company and I didn't even have time to breathe or to go to toilet to pee. Right. Mm. Um, For really, for the past, for the past five, six years, it's been crazy. So I had these all into my blog on my medium, but these were not published articles. Um, and I had uh, literally 2,600 pieces uh, of oh blocks, Jesus, um, and and on my phones and you know it's it's, it's a lot of notes um, and recordings and and I just I just didn't have the time to re- to really work on that until last year, um, so I I decided last year that I wanted to enter a new chapter, so I needed to put together everything I've learned last 10 years. So I could be ready to move for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, I locked myself up for three, three months, really hardcore. I uh, went back to France um, in my, my grandmom house, which doesn't have much internet. Uh, and uh, I started to relook at all these notes on my blog that I didn't publish and my phone. Uh, a lot of things were written. It just needed to be architected a little bit. Mm. And now uh, when I came back uh, for six months, I just woke up at 5, 4, 5 a.m. Um, so I had from, from 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. to be not at the office. Uh, so I could just work on my book. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a lot of research as well. Um, so, so I think this book is really not my thinking only, uh, I'm just architecting the, maybe 900 to maybe thousand people I've met last decade, all yeah. the corporate managers, all these investors in tech, all these, um, these, uh, these entrepreneurs, uh, you know, got the chance to meet uh, the founder of Evernote, got the chance to meet, um, uh, to meet, uh, you know, very senior people in in Apple, uh, Google, Facebook, and scientists, you know, people from Tesla, people from 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 biotechnology, and uh, and this is what they think, right? So mm. a lot of that is not my thinking; it's their thinking. It's just it's just I I'm the guy who got the chance to take a bit of time and put it down. <laughs>
0: Yeah, in the end, we, we, we do need people like this, man, because we have all, all these people that are going at 100 miles an hour, and then we probably need some people that would step back and document all this and share it with the rest of us. So uh, kudos on you for doing that. So yeah, I mean, you talked about like, you know, now being such a great time to live in, you talk about the uh, living conditions being way better than, you know, way before how, you know, people that are in poverty today are living better than barons and kings back then because of all the amenities they have. So hu- human uh, human civilization has come a long while, but then you're also, you talk about this huge impasse that we are at right now with the challenges we face. And you know, you you're, you are optimistic a little bit on how we've come here, but you're, you're also talking about how we might squander this opportunity and not use all this technology to solve uh, the problems that we face. And you talked about, um, uh, three major challenges, right. That humanity faces in the coming decades. Uh, you want to, let's talk about that a little bit,
1: you know, which three I'm
0: talking about, right. Do you want me to name them out or,
1: um, so, so we're in a very funny situation right now, Mm -hmm. where for the first time, um, this planet, um have been reshaped to be really our planet <clears throat> um, if if you think about it 100 no 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 later than 100 years ago <clears throat> um we were only 1.9 billion people right uh, i think it's around that number and we're, we're 7 billion now uh, 100 years ago most of the biosphere were the natural world which was a scary place which the humans didn't really map or didn't really know how it worked yet. Um, Today, uh, 96% of the mammifers in the planet are actually animals we are producing for our own sake. We are eating cows, chickens, and that rips 96% of the atmosphere. This is crazy, right? 100 years ago, 90% of the of the living animals were just natural animals, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And 100 years later, most of it is in farms, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we have harnessed the incredible power of technology and, and through you know, power Steam power first, later on oil, etc. We've harnessed this power, but we didn't realize how much power we had and how how this could impact um, our planet and our future generation. And at the same time, that's on the left side. <clears throat> and on the right side, you have a you have a lot of people that I see around me. Millennials, people who are twenty to thirty years old, they're depressed. They feel like, oh, they don't know what's what to do. They, they, they don't know what's their place in their world. They, they feel like, you know, they have to complain. And I just don't understand that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because I think, you know, uh, we're a generation that's been so connected and bombarded with all this information. And you even talked about how the human amygdala always focuses on the negative, right? And how this generation, we're seeing all this excess that's happening around the world. And it's almost like we this generation is shouldering all the troubles of the world on top of its shoulders, right? And it's looking at the current system where it is with, you know, uh, wasteful industries and fossil fuels. And it's witnessing all this uh, degeneration of the, of the world. And it doesn't, and it sees how probably meaningless and greedy and only pure for profit the motivation of a lot of these corporations are so a lot of people i think they feel both depressed and lost
1: yeah and and i was about to say i don't understand why they could keep being depressed and lost because in the same time there's so much to do Mm -hmm. there's so much to do and 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 giving up could be you know an easy way but actually there's a lot to do and i i want this book to be a positive message for all these people to see what is to be done to see that actually they can do things and mm-hmm. these things really matter i'll give you an example <clears throat> uh, costa rica 30 years ago uh, for for you know, I've I've changed the law and let um, let lobbyists to have private companies uh, literally take out uh, for um, most of the most of the forest. We're talking really about eighty percent of the forest in Costa Rica who disappeared. All right? This is crazy. So. 30 years ago, you had 40% of the, uh, 80% of the forest to disappear just to sell woods and, and build stupid uh, highways and things like this. The government have changed the policy. And now 30 years later, actually, those 80% of the forest have been re- recreated. Right, and, and when you think about this, um, if you look really on the internet, we millennials have access to this information. And if you do the extra effort to look at the positives, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of incredible things that are happening right now. There's a lot of people who are stepping up. There's a lot of people who come from nowhere have no legitimacy to step up, but they do. Mm -hmm. And these people, they're really changing their country. They're changing their region. They're changing the world. They're changing, reversing the climate change. They are reversing all the things that we're scared of because I was scared too. And to be honest, I wrote this book because I'm really scared. And I was really depressed by all these things I was saying. So I was probably one of the one of the guys who were very depressed a couple of years back. And this is where I've been looking for my place in the world for the past decade. Right. So that was like not sure if it was depression, but I was really scared of you know what's ahead. And mm. and by discovering, by researching. What could be my place in this world? I've learned some of the things I put on that book. And and really, this is really motivating because no, I know there's a lot to do. And there's so much to do that. I think a couple of multimillionaires or billionaires are going to emerge from the industries I'm quoting from my book. And there's no expertise. There's no master degree of these industries. So all these things are just a matter of, are you interested in participating to change the world. And for mm-hmm. the first time in the history of humanity, technology is here, and it is for our generation to take that technology and apply it uh, mm-hmm. to give ourselves a future, right? And that's really close. So, so that's what this book is about, right? It's, it's really about how can we turn these people who are lost and, um, and, and uh, depressed about the situation to turn them into, into warrior. Yeah. Making the adaptivists. Exactly. The adaptivists.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. And your book really lays out, really lays out a lot of opportunities and you mentioned how like, you know, the next trillion dollar companies could be companies that solve these problems. So, but before we get into what you see as opportunities and solutions, let's actually lay out concretely what you're afraid of. Right, you talk in the book. You talked about three major challenges: climate change, technology disruption that is going to totally disrupt the workforce, and also uh, the current uh, energy storage problem, where the current um, fossil fuels and a- sources of energy today are are not sustainable and not um, are, are are destroying the environment. So let's let's talk about. Um, you know what what's going to happen to the world if these three things are allowed to pan out so we'll go through that and then we'll talk about the opportunities that you see
1: yeah so so coming back to this number right think about this right only four percent of the mammals uh in the planet are actually natural (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so, so and 100 years ago it was the contrary so there is something going on, right? And yeah. if you look at the planet today at night, um, you will be we really realize like, that we we have we have taken over everything. There's no space on Earth which has remained natural, right? If you look at the planet at night, you will see all these all these lights all around, and 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 you really realize humanity is everywhere, and what we used to call our blue planet is really now a big night party at night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and we need to realize that to be able to realize, oh, that's also our responsibility if we want to be able to have grandchildren, right? Because for sure, um, they, 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 they will need to breathe air. Uh, they will need to eat food. And then we need to drink water. Uh, and and right now, the way our overpopulation uh, i have been have been have de- been using the resources, those resources uh, will not enable our grandchildren to leave, right? So that's that's a very scary one. Uh, so so I think climate and in general is environmental changes that will come around with this. Um, you just need to go and watch our planet and other documentaries and you will know what's up, right? But basically, um, there, is, there, is, there is a lot of things we, we thought uh, were, were happening, like climate change. Uh, we've, we've heard about that so many times, we're tired of it, and you don't know how to act. Um, but, but, but now, um, really we start to see a little glimpse of it. And I think the decade ahead, there's a lot of climate events that are happening because we already reached those 0.5 increase uh, of uh, degrees Celsius. And so you're going to start to see heat waves uh, that will be more and more dense every year. Uh, you're going to see aridification of the soil in many regions, uh, which will make the, the, the earth uh, and the agriculture not possible in these regions. Uh, that will increase the number of migrants, uh, and and those migrants will uh, go knock the door of their foreign countries. Uh, you look at you look at Europe. For the past ten years, we got one million migrants increase, and and you've seen how it have changed the political landscape in Europe, right? Partially in Italy uh, and Hungary. Um, now, imagine the next ten years. we, we are having 250 million migrants that will leave Africa to go to Europe, 250 million, right? So how will our governments support that, right? Um, and it's it's just, it's just not gonna happen. So, so it's gonna be very ugly to see what's gonna happen with these migrants. Um, we can already expect the political reshuffling that's gonna happen in Europe Uh, Some countries will turn from democracies to dictatorship um, to protect the locals. Uh, And some countries will just disappear, Mm. right? And and this is a reshuffling that is directly impacted by climate change. And this is a reshuffling uh, on the scale that haven't been seen for the past 200 years. Because Mm -hmm. when boundaries in Europe and in Africa or in Asia have been set. It was during the first and second world war, right? So we haven't got such a political reshuffling uh, for the past hundred years, and and this is gonna happen next decade. (laughs) Uh, Because intensification of the climate events. Um, So so that's just one very small example of it. In the same time, uh, yes, the technology um, the technology disruption is already here. Um, it's, it's, it's just now people start to understand what's, what's at stake, right? Yep. AI have been invented 20 years ago. There's nothing new about it, right? But the adoption of AI uh, in, in our businesses uh, is starting to come right now. But AI with drones is something that we're going to start to hear during the next 10 years as well right? Yep. So having drones going around the streets to check who is going out of the lockdown uh, for the coronavirus is the first way, right? So we're already seeing these drones deployed, right, to check in, you know, who is on the streets uh, and to alarm the authorities if you are not respecting the lockdown during COVID. But, but soon enough, those drones will be used for other means, right? And we already seen how drones have been used uh, in Afghanistan uh, from the American troops uh, to just kill people uh, having a barbecue in their garden, right? So now (laughs) now imagine when when the government of China will be on a drone race, just like the US have been in in a space race with Russia, right? Um, So this is the things that we're going to see next 10 years, right? Yeah. Um, We're going to see superpower um, doing a a race about robotization of their army, right? And that's going to be very, very reshuffling.
0: Yeah. And it's it's not just drones in the military and all like that. It's drones and robots replacing most of the labor force, right? Anything that is manual labor, and not really, you know, doesn't involve creativity. Anything that's repetitive whatsoever, just think about it. Anything that can be automated will be automated by drones or robotics. Because you mentioned in the book, um, energy efficiency, right? We switched to using uh, trucks because it was more efficient to ship uh, items and goods using internal combustion than using manual labor. Right. And so the natural step is to transition to robots once they become cheaper than, you know, giving people minimum wage. So that's another challenge that you see, right, about um, all the, the entire labor force being automated away. And you're going to have all these people left with no jobs whatsoever Absol- and uh,
1: even more depressed than now. Right? Unless they start to take action and, and find a meaningful way to to, uh, to be an an activist maybe, uh, but absolutely yeah. it's, it's, it's we're living, actually we have lived, uh, we have lived already uh, and this is done, the last era of mass employment. Um, and I think COVID uh, this year have ringed the bell uh, on the glow of this last era, right? There's no other time Next fifty to hundred years, which I think I think there is a um, half a billion people who walk today, and and that will never be the same, right? So COVID was a interesting first uh, trigger of underlying forces that were in action for the past fifty years already, but we didn't really see coming. I I, I tell you a story about my friend who who graduated and is now a farmer in France. Uh, he, have a, he have a farm, uh, it's probably around like 10 kilometers, uh, or a, c- a couple of acres, and uh, he have only one employee, right, uh, in France. And yeah, he, he, have, uh, he have dozens of machines doing all the work for the agriculture. So this is not new in Europe, right? Agriculture have been done like this for maybe 50 years already with machines, right? Uh, It's just that now it's so automated uh, and it's been like this for at least 10, 20 years that it doesn't require human labor, right? Now what's changing is uh, the cost of these machines is going down, down, down while the governments are still operating Uh, with the operating system of the labor of 200 years ago, right? Where the labor uh, needs to be paid that much because XYZ needs to pay taxes. But what people didn't realize is now their job is competing with machines already for the past 20 years. So when a a company or an employer decides to hire someone Especially in the blue-collar industry, they're gonna think, okay, can I buy a robot, and will the ROI for the next five years would be cheaper than paying a salary to someone? So this is no surprise. This has been going on for for twenty to thirty years already. However, the difference is now is the infrastructure in terms of electricity um, and power is actually the grid have extended to even the um, most Recent uh, emerging markets like Thailand, right? So, so, so now even countries in like Thailand or, or Nigeria, um, as soon as uh, the electricity grid, the electricity grid will be there, uh, and as soon as the labor will cross a certain number, um, robots will be cheaper. Yep. So naturally, uh, employers will choose robots, and and this is where. We have already been uh, leaving 130 million people losing their jobs during COVID. Uh, you know, For half a billion people, 130 million is a lot. It's 20, 27% of the global workforce, active workforce who got literally no income with COVID. Right? Mm-hmm. This was going to happen anyway with or without COVID because software and automation, were going to take their job. But now this just accelerated something. So- yeah. This, this, is, this, is, this, this was to be expected. Now, the reality and where it's coming back to one of my fear, and, and which I hope everyone can fear that so they can take action, is the political reshuffling that's going to come from this, right? How will government react when a bump of their population, maybe 30% of their or 40% of their population, actually can't work? Not because they don't want to work, because there's just no jobs in their country. Mm-hmm. And these population, you cannot keep them busy by going to school, right? They have been spending 20 years of their lives at school again. They're not going to go back to school. So what will they do? And that is how government is going to need to be reinvented. Yep. This is how taxation and the business model of government itself, is going to need to be reinvented, reinvented because yep. government business model is taxes. But if people don't work, then you cannot tax them. So then what do you, we do with these people, right? Um, so this is one of the big global reshuffling that will happen uh, next decades. And we're starting to hear about taxing, taxation of the robot. We're starting to hear about universal basic income uh, and others, but it's gonna be a complex issue. And only our generation, you know, the guys like you, like like our friends who are our age. This is only us that can fix that. Our That's parents to be. our parents don't care already. Mm. You know? And our kids, oh man, they are they're on TikTok. What do you think they're gonna do? You think they're gonna you think they're gonna be able to to think? <laughs> they're on TikTok. Right? Yeah. So it's really for our generation, you know, people who are 20 to 30 years old right now we need to tackle that challenge and we need to reinvent, we need to dream, right? And to be able to reinvent a future we want, we need to dream first. And I think, mm-hmm. I think we should dream a lot more.
0: Cool. Let's talk about energy because that's, um, that's the third um, challenge that you, that you outlined here on um, how can we, because everything that we do uh, requires energy, right? I mean, even, even in solving all these problems of tech disruption and addressing climate change, Requires energy to to do any human activity. Requires energy, but then the problem is right now is that the energy that we have, is is not sustainable. So let's so talk. Tell me about like the current uh, energy crisis right now, and then let's let's transition into, you know, the section where you talk about all these uh, proposed solutions in your books and starting with energy.
1: So every major radical shift that operated in humanity for the past thousand years have been powered by one very radical new technology covering communication, one energy technology and one transportation uh, technology. Mm -hmm. We have for the past 50, 70 years gone into an illusion uh, that we ended slavery, uh, for, for, for actually for the past couple of hundred years, slavery was the energy that we're powering the world. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that have helped us to do things like discovering, uh, discovering new continents, uh, discovering vaccines, um, and, and, and providing food for, Hundred millions of people uh, with not much effort of them going to hunt every day. Right? That, was, that was slavery. So on the, on the, ni- on the 19th and, and early 20th century, um, we discovered steam power, coil, and we thought, oh, <clears throat> that's it. Now we have a new power. We don't need to use slave to push the labor in the farms and the fields. Uh, and we thought this was uh, this was the new revolution that, um, that, 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 that the humanity were coming up to. Um, but actually, it was only to get us being enslaved of this new coil energy. right? Uh, and if you think about it, today, anything, I, I just look at your background picture right now. Mm-hmm. You have one lamp, you have a table, and you have a tree. Um, and you have a t-shirt, uh, and you have, uh, some nice hair.
0: Yeah. Don't forget that. That's the most labor intensive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Everything requires, um, energy to produce.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're even, even your t-shirt, how many, how many kilojoules of, uh, energy have been used to produce your t-shirt. Right. So, so. So when, when people think about saving electricity, they say, oh, yeah, turn off the light. Oh, <laughs> it's too late. When you wake up in the morning and you, you put your T-shirt on, you already use probably 20 or 30 megawatts, right? Just because your T-shirt creation, not even talking about the transportation, the transportation of your T-shirt to your, the shop you bought it, or to your home when you took mm-hmm. a taxi, or when you took a ride home with your shopping bag, that was energy, right? Yeah. So we're so addicted to energy, and we're so enslaved um, that we don't realize it, right? You you brush your teeth, you think it's you don't use energy in the morning, but actually you do, right? Uh, so 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 we this is this is something that we need to realize first, to then think, okay, then where does that energy come from? right so so then we talk about the energy mix and today um the energy mix is mainly steel coil uh and oil right and and this this is of course you know everyone knows about the impact of these energies into the climate change right now no the the key the key deal here is we can't stop using energy we're addicted to it already right and there's no way you're gonna give up your t-shirt right now <laughs> Or you gonna give up your lights or even your Wi-Fi, right? So let's not let's not go around it. And this is for sure not a question to stop using energy as much as we do. Because also we we thought energy, we thought we stopped using slaves, right? So actually, yeah, energy have stopped the slavery. It's not the America, it's not bright people uh, who have thought, you know, wishful thinking and human rights. No it just we got gas now so we don't need to use slave that's it <laughs> right and and that's that's really that's really the difference so if we were to cut energy tomorrow then slavery will come back instantly mm, right? yeah and that's something we don't talk about enough right and in the countries that don't have an energy grid today slavery is still there right just look at the emerging countries which don't have a great energy grid you will see slavery this is a normal mechanical result. So the question then is, how do we keep harnessing energy power for the next 100 years while also being able to to survive, right? And not increase the two or three degree climate and have a sea rise of seven meters and kill 100% of the animals around us, right? (laughs) Uh, And and we just need to look at one thing. just look up and see the sun right so the sun every day produces 300 times the quantity that it will need for the civilization of the whole human civilization to live for one year right Um, so 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 this is very simple you know there is there's a lot of there's a lot of 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 things around us which we can harness and the sun is one key major one of them now There's one thing, Um, almost 200 million people have cars today. And uh, car companies have put a lot of money uh, to push this idea in your head that to be a man with a nice t-shirt, you also need a nice car, right? And removing that idea is going to be quite painful. So how do you tell to millions of chinese who are now entering uh middle class hardly not buy a car to be a cool man so you can attract a woman and get married and have kids right so you you need we need to we need to rethink what is it that a successful millionaire is as a person in the society and to be able to actually stop that massive energy consumption problem yeah right because, because there is too much money at stakes uh, for, for, for companies to sell you oil and to sell you cars uh, for them to give this up, right? Yep. Uh, and, and, and if you wear them, maybe you would also do the same, right, uh, because vanity is, uh, is something we always critique, but, but we are all having a little part of vanity. So the question is really, how do we make that work for everyone, right? so some of the example uh, that iot uh and uh, internet of things are enabling uh, and are going to be most more, most popularized i believe is that actually the new energy grid now start to be affordable and cheaper than any other energies right putting solar panel on your roof uh, actually you can make money you can make up to 2 3000 us dollars per year uh and and that's that's become uh a very simple rational thinking. Do you want to spend money on electricity or do you want to make money and sell it to your neighbors, right? So that's the first point. The second point is it actually, um, this is the only uh, jobs that are gonna be there for the next decade. <laughs> so so yeah. if, you, if you look at uh, the, the perspective of the World Bank, uh, the jobs that are gonna be created mainly next 10 years going to be in the social, uh, social area. So taking care of other people, like being a nurse or taking care of the elders as a social, uh, social worker or, uh, being an energy technician, meaning implementing solar panels on roof, installing all of that, yeah. installing all of these things. Uh, but also with high knowledge, right? It's not just a technician who put the, the solar panel on the roof. It's also people who are going to think how to recreate uh, the isolation of the houses, of all the buildings we have, uh, and all, a, a lot of jobs really going to be there. So either you are a social worker next 10 years, or other you are an electricity uh, engineer, or either you're a programmer. And that's pretty much it, right? Uh, and and that, that's for really, we're talking about 70% of the people, right? Uh, content creators, like you are already the elite, right? The YouTubers, the gay, the, the, the esports, uh the hackers, cybersecurity, that, those jobs will be there, but that will be very, very much 1%. Yes. Yeah. So, so that's the second point. Jobs will be on this area. And three, that will enable what we call the smart energy grid, which is something I'm very excited about. And, and people like Jeremy Rifkin and govern, governors of you know, Germany, Japan and other countries are very excited about this. <clears throat> it's actually the relocalization by decentralizing the cities. So who doesn't want to have a villa or a castle to live in, right? instead of being on a 30 or 50 square meter apartment that costs, you know, that costs you so much that you have to take a debt to have that. Who doesn't want a castle for the same price? So this is what the smart energy grid going to enable. Thanks to the decentralization of this energy power through solar panel um, and others, you will be able to actually live on a remote area with the 4G, with, you know, in very high internet connections, enabling you to work remotely for your business if you're an entrepreneur or for your company if you work somewhere to actually work from home and have mm-hmm. your energy powered uh, by the solar and other energies in your, in your home as well. And plus that you would be also able to sell this energy. So, so this, is, this is the third big thing and uh, that's mixed with remote work. Uh, and those, those three parameters, I think where it's exciting to work in the energy field for the next 10 years, because you're saving the climate and you're going to make money. Um, so yeah, who, who doesn't want to do that?
0: Yeah. You also mentioned, um, the circular economy, right? It's almost like the, the whole supply chain in the past hundred years has been in, has been a leaking ship, right? Because we haven't closed the loop yet. We've, we've utilized resources, uh, and we haven't, and and we've just basically converted it and we've just dumped it away in in the atmosphere or in the landfills or in the seas. And you really talked about the circular economy, right? Being really critical to saving the planet really. And can you talk about more about opportunities in the circular economy?
1: Absolutely, I mean, think about that. We have colonized 97% of the planet. So we are we already there's already someone who've harnessed the reserve of gold or the reserve of anything you can think of. There's someone there taking it, okay? Already. So so how do you how do you make money as a new guy in the in the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you create your spots if everyone have already taken everything? Uh, yeah, you can try to find, to be digging really down the earth to find something, but the cost of being, becoming wealthy is going to be really higher and higher, right? So, so I'm, I'm, I'm using this word because so, a lot of people are interested about money, uh, but maybe some are not, right? But I'm still talking about money first because that's what a lot of people think about. So, so one big deal um, is that the rarification, uh, actually the scarcity of the raw material, will make the raw material price to increase higher and higher, right? So, so at some point, we're gonna start to look at those used materials and think how we can reuse them, right? How we can recycle them, how we can secondhand use this car, how we can secondhand use this uh this this uh t-shirt etc uh and and i think i think we're starting to see that already uh we're starting to see uber uh, as the way to you know gig, sh- sharing economy share your car um but i think the share economy is gonna be the big driver of the establishment of this new circular economy where multiple people will use the same tools or multiple, uh, one tool will have multiple life by being recycled more and more because the cost of the raw materials, AKA the metals or the water or the energy prices will go up. So transforming a new product will be actually very expensive compared to recycling an old one, right? And I think this is really where, when you think about it, how come are we not doing this already? Right? Yeah. How come are we absorbing so much quantity of raw materials and and not recycling it? We're just trashing that. And then yeah. and then and then, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So it would yeah. make sense in a paradigm where resources are unlimited and meaning planets are unlimited and nature have multiple planets to thrive. Yeah. Which, which we just learned it's not the case, right? Uh, so, so of course, the next big economy gonna be around that, and and yeah, I, I really believe the next trillion dollar business we're gonna see, uh, probably not yet, but in five couple of five, five seven years, will be a recycling business.
0: Yeah, and then one one, one yeah go on, yeah, and one thing that you mentioned is uh, that could be a game changer is three D printing, right? Where everyone where three D printing technology has become so cheap and commoditized, where anyone can have a 3D printer in their homes and they can cheaply make things out of recycled material and how this can be a, a huge industry, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, think about this. Um, the richest woman in China made her fortune by recycling paper from the US. Yeah. Google that. She've made money by importing used paper from the us and recycling it in china and she's multi-billionaire so it's not new <laughs> you know this this woman is probably 70 years old right? yeah yeah it's not new it's just people just think about football or or yeah. or, or, or or banking to make money but yeah no they, they, there is very small people making money on the new ways already right yeah. so This is just going to be democratized more and more as the price of energy will increase. Yes. Now on 3D printing, yeah, it's 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 along the way of the decentralization of power that is enabled by technology. Right. Before, if you wanted to read a journal or read a book, you had to go to the one printer in your city who could print a newspaper right now everyone have a printer in his home right because the cost of this machine is maybe 50 dollar, right um so so similarly um most of the things that we buy in actually made from plastic right Mm -hmm. um i mean again look at around you in your room and tell me what is not made of plastic (laughs) right (laughs) even your t-shirt uh, if it's cotton, you're lucky, but high chances is it's polyester, which is plastic. Hey man, right? I only
0: wear cotton, man.
1: I'm okay. joking.
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. There's a lot. I have a lot of polyester too. So,
1: so the point is most of the things we use every day are made of plastic. So then yeah. why do you need to wait to go to the printer, which actually today is in China <laughs> yeah. to, get, to get you this product that you're going to use? Uh, and it's in 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 new york right and you're wasting the energy to to ship it
0: there whereas you can just print it in new york itself and save all that energy along the way exactly
1: and and you get it faster it was possible because we were again on this illusion that energy were cheap right Mm -hmm. this illusion gonna stop right as mentioned earlier um, the price of energy gonna increase higher and higher but for and gas and oil because the verification of these resources, right? So the price of energy actually going to keep increasing to be, to be uh, dropping a small fact with or without COVID in 2018, we were the year and that's, that's, you can Google it. It's very interesting. This was the year, the cheapest year ever for the flight industry. No matter what happened, In 2018, we had the cheapest flight ever because the price of oil was the cheapest and it will never go as cheap as in 2018. So no matter what, prices will keep increasing and increasing next 10 years, 100 years until maybe we can find hydrogen sources and other. Uh, But but yeah, so think about that. Shipping a product from China to New York have never been as cheap in 2018. And no Mm -hmm. matter what, the price will have increased step by step even with no government intervention right so why not just having it printed in your own city or even at your own home tell me how many how many of these bottles do you drink every year
0: oh i don't drink pellegrino man that's above my pay grade i drink <laughs> no uh <laughs> i drink like 25 cent water no i i know what you mean i try to recycle it too but man I there's see no- the landfill, there's tons of bottles all over the place.
1: Exactly. So 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 think of all these all, all these all these waste of bottled plastic that actually have value. Right. This plastic have value. As soon as the energy costs increase, the transformation of plastic will increase as well. Yep. Right. So there is this very fine line where at some point it's gonna be a bit expensive um to to actually trash it because of taxes. And that will be make it more sense for you to actually recycle it at home and 3D Mm -hmm. printing, partially in a rural area. And this is where 3D printing is going to be the next big deal. It won't be an industry as what we've seen before, where factories were centralizing the means of power. It will be part of the decentralized IoT grid, which I'm talking into the book, where Mm -hmm. you have your solar panel, you will have your 3D printer, you'll have your recycling machine at home. Uh, and that will enable you to to be sustainable uh, human. Uh, yeah, that's yeah.
0: Your- I can see that this 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 whole interview is taking an optimistic toll. I'm starting to build a picture of of the new adaptive human. I'm starting to picture my life. You know, I've got my uh, smart grid. I'm living outside in my in my mansion. I got my solar panels that I'm making all my energy and I'm selling it off. Maybe I'm using this energy to mine some Bitcoin so I can get some Bitcoin too. I'm working remotely
1: Absolutely. and
0: uh, we've got, um, if I want to go anywhere, I can probably share a, a Uber or a self-driving Tesla with my neighbor. If yeah. I want anything, if I want a new, if I want to like a new t-shirt for my next interview, I just um, print it out using the fabric of clothes that I don't want to use anymore. Yeah. So yeah, it's starting to take a really uh, optimistic toll for how you can actually adapt your lifestyle to this. And, and the thing is that, it, it doesn't seem like a painful adaptation. This all is like, it seems like such a utopia. You know, I'm living in this great place with this energy and reusing all this material and I'm, I'm talking, I'm having social interaction with, with all these people. Uh, it, it, the, the, the future seems really bright, actually. Think, think of it. Why are people so depressed today? <laughs> right? Yeah, I think it's because they haven't read your book, man. I mean but in all seriousness maybe they haven't seen they they're so bombarded with bad news right they haven't been given an actual solution like okay these are these are some industries and these are some developments that are actually will make a difference if you know the right people work on it if they receive the right funding and all like that to succeed right and and not enough people see this they're they're so wrapped up in oh my god like you know everything's going to shit you know
1: Absolutely. And I will say on top, let's look back a little bit in history and think today how we live and at the beginning of the, the cities, what were promised to us. Yeah. How do you want to be happy when you live w- within a 30 square meter apartment, eating canes of pasta and cheap steak that, are, that you don't really you don't really like it and every week being stressed because you can't afford paying your rent and and maybe not being able to to go out with your friends to buy even a drink where you walk 40 hours per week or even 70 hours per week with a second job how can and, and the only thing you have to entertain yourself is is netflix how can you be happy with this life right that's the condition of a good 60% of the people who live in the city. Yep. Right? And, and how can you be happy about this? Now, let's look back in history. When people moved from uh, their farms to city 100 years ago, there were a big promise. The promise was if you go and work in the factory in a near city, you will make three to five times more earnings than you were going to make for the whole year within your farm, so that you could yep. basically send that money back to your family and and make your family safe to for, for the next few years, right? So there were a lot of money at the beginning of the cities that attracted what we call the exod rural exodus. But yep. today, the paradigm which people live in city is actually really horrible when you think about it. Their grandparents gave up their homes with a couple of acres of farm that they owned with their, with their houses to be now living in a 30 square meter box and be, ab- be only able to enjoy that box half of the time because the other half of the time they are doing stupid things on Excel which they don't understand or value, right? So, so the condition which humanity have been put on for the past 150 years is really depressing. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, when we are talking about a new paradigm of decentralizing through remote work, through remote solar grid, and other decentralized pro- means of production, of course it's exciting, right? Because, because that's, that's giving freedom to, to the life that we deserve again, right, and these freedoms have been taking, taken by capitalism for the past 200 years and now capitalism has to reimagine itself to be decentralized, remote and green sustainably, right? So yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And, and to help you picture that a little bit, um, thanks to the automation and thanks to the new technology that are know in agriculture, countries, uh, cities like Copenhagen are uh, actually turning, even though they are very, very limited spaces, Netherlands as a country is the second largest exporter of food, right? Even though they have one of the highest human density and one of the smallest um, uh, space to be able to do agriculture, because they are producing foods through vertical farming in buildings uh, and mm-hmm. spaces through automated robots that actually enable them to produce hundred times more food than a normal land, right? So the yield of production of the, the agriculture that we have today as a power is here already. So then think about all these spaces that are gonna be um, uh, restored as or rewides potentially because then you need less space uh, for farms, then you can have more spaces for forest. Mm-hmm. So you very, very much three years from now could live in a really big castle uh, in mm-hmm. the, middle of the forest and have mm-hmm. your own food, energy, Wi-Fi and work remotely. You know, this is the dream, but this is, this is what today technology potentially enable us if we dare to dream it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think is magical about the time we are in, is because we can either go to a path where we're going to have three degree increase, uh, air going to be unbreathable, we're going to have uh, heat strokes and tornadoes pretty much everywhere uh, and and this is a very scary picture uh, or we could rewind our planet uh, mm-hmm. and we could all take advantage of this to make money as well uh, and 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 be part of this new adaptive economy right yeah yeah great yeah got it yeah so we
0: talked about you know we laid out a picture of the challenges we faced we talked about the opportunities. Let's move on to like um, uh, action steps here. Um, I, I also want to talk about Atlas Capital, but let's stick to this this thing about you know um, the average city dweller that's depressed and what what can what do you think is the what do you think needs to happen to drive most people towards being solution oriented rather than problem oriented because it seems so many people like what you talk about here is is nothing really new right you you know these we hear about these challenges all the time but so little people are actually focusing on the solutions and taking actions what do you think needs to happen to shift the mindset of of these 60% people in the city that hate their lives
1: so I think there's two key things number one yeah three number one is seeking those positive informations they are here right they're here they are on the internet but this is harder for us to find them because media and social media make more money or engage us more with negative news than with positive news so yeah, 100%. Seeking, seeking those information these positives and sharing it around our network across dinners or at bars instead of talking about donald trump is the first move. And this is not that hard. No, it's not that hard. It's just to change the topic. It's change the topic It's number one, change the topic. Number two is thinking ourselves as not consumers, but makers, right? Mm. In the same manner, we have been, our last generation have been fed information, right? You receive information with a TV. But we are seeking control on what we watch, right? But we're still watching at the end. Yeah. And you yep. still don't know how to make it. Or you, you're just a passive receiver of information, right? So I believe this is an alienation of the humanity that have been mm. occurring for the past couple of hundred years because capitalism needed consumers to absorb, to consume stupidly everything so they can get money. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on this side as well. I'm entrepreneur. I'm I'm having clients and consumers, so I want them to be as stupid as possible so I can get money from them every month so they pay yeah. me. Right. But this this thing I think is past, right? Today people are looking to make right. And the, the people that are thriving in a new 4.0 industrialization are not the consumer or even the employers or companies who are turning people into consumers. The, the companies that are thriving are turning their users into makers. They're enabling them to make, produce, yeah. create, right? Yeah. The platform we're enabling creation are the platform that are winning, right? Yeah. Think about Compu- Apple. This is the platform that is enabling most of the humanity to create. Microsoft yep. as well. These yep. platform are enabling people to create and hence they're making billions of dollars. Because this yeah. capacity of create digitally is very, very important today. Now, next decade, we're going to see a new capacity for people to create also offline, non-digitally product or combine digitally and non-digitally, the IoT, right? So the companies yep. that will be in there and the people who will be able to make will be leading this. So I think turning the mindset from consuming to making Turning the mindset from trying to use a software to trying to create a software, or yeah. just to understand how your computer work or how your car is working, is the mindset that will help everyone to really feel alive. Because trying to paint once a once a year or once a month, if you're depressed, and you will see it's so amazing to make things. It's mm. this is the nature of humans and this. This has been with us for the last 100,000 years. It's just we lost it for the past 200 years with consuming mindset, right? But our grandparents were maker. Yeah, yeah. Grandparents- this is what our brains were made for, to create and solve problems, right? Exactly. Our brain has been made to create and make things. And yeah. this, this power has been pushed down and be very quiet for the past 100 years. And that's why so many people are depressed. So I think right. bringing, that, bringing that habit of making something every day will change the life of a lot of people. And thirdly, the last action is vote. Mm. I don't believe um, when I'm saying vote, I'm not, I'm not believing I'm talking only about voting for my democracy, right? I'm talking about voting with my spending power as an economical rational agents to choose where I want my money to go. When I buy a product, do I believe the company who is making those products is following my values? Is this company part of the companies that have destroyed our ecosystem, our planet and um, reducing the chances of my childrens to leave? <laughs> or is this company trying to build sustainable solutions for my grandchildren to have a future with no country, right? Every time you buy something, you're voting. And this is the biggest power that most of the people in the city have, at at least the one in the city. They are buying things every day. And I think by voting to the companies, to giving companies that we believe follow our ethics only, that is the next revolution. This is how adaptivists and the people who want to build the next adaptive economy will be able to make the difference and actually create a war. Because I tell you, if tomorrow you stop giving money to the companies that are not into the adaptive economy, then they will be bankrupt, right?
0: Yeah.
1: as simple. And because the stock market is focused on very simple things, which is earning, (laughs) then you can very much influence which companies will thrive and which company will die next 10 years by voting your spending power to these companies. Yeah. So those are the three major actions uh, I would like everyone to realize they have power. And this is not switching off the light to save electricity. This is not stop taking a shower or a bath, right? But these three things are the real power for anyone today, because they are the key points of capitalism, consumerism, right? Yeah. If you want to change and make the capitalism evolve, you need to use those three powers. Yeah. Changing the discussion, uh,
0: switching the paradigm from a consumer to a maker, and um, voting with your money. Yeah. Yeah hundred percent anyone can do that um, uh, related to voting with your money uh, to, to bring that to scale is investing right so let's let's bring the topic to um, Atlas capital right so you t- tell me about Atlas capital and what the goal is here
1: I'm kind of very shy on this topic to be honest okay um, we can talk about something else or an overview I can talk about it but I'm very shy I tell you why I started Atlas Capital 11 years ago and um, at that time Atlas was the dream for me to enable people on these three things, changing topics, um, uh, becoming makers and voting with their money, but I was not ready, I was a student back then. Uh, and I, I created a group of 500 makers and uh, visionaries, idealists across, you know, South America, Africa, Europe, and the U S and we were, we were creating a network of maker spaces uh, at that time uh, to, to create something that will enable this transition. It was too early and I didn't have any network. I was not legit. I didn't have any money and I was just, a uh, a student, so no one listened to me right <clears throat> I think uh, I think there is, a, there is a need for more and more uh, smart investors uh, and and I think they feel it I think a lot of investors are looking to invest in impact they are looking to make money sustainably uh, they are looking to not feel bad about their investment and and they, they have children so they are looking at investing so into companies that will help their children's to to thrive right um and um and i think i think this is the aspect which i didn't have 10 years ago right there's a lot of money out there there's a lot of billionaires there's a lot of multimillionaires um that are around there and that want to have a legacy build something new and today <clears throat> they're frustrated because the only things that are being given to them is uh, either investing in, you know, FNB companies, uh, you know, in the stock market or uh, investing in uh, e-commerce companies. Yeah. So, so I think if we can connect um, this vision I've shared with you in the book about this new adaptive economy, rewilding our planet, um, starts with simply changing topics, uh, you can also have these topics with those investors, right? And you can have a new operating system of financing uh, to support that grand vision of rewilding our planet uh, and, and, and reducing climate change, as well as controlling the power we have uh, for us to have a future, right? I'm talking about AI and IoT. So I strongly see already that most of the richest billionaires on the planet are already on that mindset. I'm Talking about guys like, uh, you know, Bill Gates, I'm talking about Richard Branson, I'm talking about, um, you know, the, the Rockefeller family. They are already only investing into impact now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Peter Thiel, fund, funds of funds, uh, founders futures, um, there's a lot of initiatives um, there. However, I think there's a big disconnect where this is private money and, and uh, governments mm. are actually really lost. Uh, they don't know where to invest. They are just paying their debts. Um, so I think there is something there. There is something to connect up private money with the government money, uh, the hedge funds money uh, with the government money, uh, on these new sustainable projects. Um, and um, Atlas Capital um, is the next big thing I want to work on next year. And uh, I'm going to partner with a couple of uh, very strong people uh, and organizations who are already doing it. Um, this, is, uh, this, is just, this is just my way to connect back um, everything that is in the book with reality and materialize it. Uh, Because what I realized is uh, capitalism isn't bad. Money isn't bad, right? It's a tool, right? But to be able to execute, to to be able to to make something good, you need a vision, right? And most of the time, money doesn't have a vision for itself. Mm -hmm. You need people to have a vision and then fill that vision with money. So that's what I hope Atlas Capital will do. Atlas Capital will focus only on the 10 key pillar industries that are in these books. Um, and uh, if, you, if people are curious about what are those industries, they can read the book. Um, yeah,
0: we'll keep that a secret as a
1: cliffhanger then so they can find out in the book. Um, and yeah, but it's more, more than just an investment. It's, it's a movement. It's a political yeah. movement. And uh, I think you don't need to have money to be part of a political movement. Um, I think politics as where I, I, when I say politics, I'm talking about more a vision, and a dream, uh, rather than a country itself, right? Uh, because I'm, I'm, I really strongly believe um, a vision is not stopped by a border or by a, a nationality, right? And I think, I think if we can pursue this vision of the adaptive economy, if this can be exciting um this can be a really big movement uh, and that's mm. a way of everyone to contribute to save our planet and be part of the generation who have reversed uh the the course of humanity
0: mm. awesome man that that was an awesome interview lots of great stuff there um just to, just a few ending questions here before i let you go um here's here's a here's a question i want to ask um what is uh what is let's say what would you consider is a like a habit a bad habit or a character flaw that you have that you had to overcome that enabled that finally enabled you to be successful
1: it's really the number two <clears throat> um from being a consumer to being a maker mm. um it's too easy to just switch on to netflix or youtube or facebook it's too easy yep. right and um I've been able to pull writing a book at 28 within six months uh, because I didn't have Facebook for six months. <laughs> uh, and this is that simple. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I have reinstalled Facebook once a week to do my postings, uh, to share about my book. But I instantly uninstall it <laughs> after the post is done. Mm. When 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 I when I've been watching Netflix, it was a really selective watching. Uh, yeah, lists of documentaries, uh, historical documentaries, or others that I I wanted to watch. But actually, to be honest, it was not on Netflix. Many it was on YouTube. Uh, it was very selective watching, and I think that's that's really been a very hard struggle for me because I'm like everyone. I'm addicted to Facebook. I'm addicted to Netflix. I'm addicted to all this stupid shit. Um, but, 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 but yeah, I think, I think when, you, when you realize you can be um, in control of what information you absorb, and, uh, and when you can realize you can use those information to make things um that my my life have completely changed i have a 3d printer in front of me right now um, oh really oh nice man uh, uh, I, i've been did you I've, print out that sculpture there <laughs> i have so much stuff I, actually this is this is one of the thing i'm working on right now so every day i'm making something right? oh. and for this this uh, this guy i want to print in an armor uh like a mandalorian armor by myself oh nice um, and, uh, and so, yeah, every day I'm printing something, I have a lot of plants, uh, here that I started to grow, uh, start one, one year ago when during that time I wrote the book, I started to take care of, of my time and my plants. So I started to, uh, print stuff to irrigate the plants and man, it just feels so good to, to actually have printed your own thing with the time mm. before, I was using on Facebook doing nothing right seeing other people live and and feeling bad about not having a cool life myself maybe right so so yeah man yeah i think it's just this mindset uh the result of being a maker is you will make your own time and Mm. make your own time it's like being alive again (laughs) right you can do so many things within a day
0: 100 percent yeah Cool man. Um, finally, uh, so where can we reach you? Where would you like people to some links that you like to go to social media or websites? You can let us know here.
1: Um, I am available over email, uh, at gmail.com.
0: All right. I'll link that.
1: I am, I am available. Uh, this is my blog, uh, which I wrote a little, uh, but, uh, I think the key one is the sub stack. The Adaptive Economy Substack is where I will publish uh, article, you know, quite often and uh, also ebooks, like smaller parts of my book, more explanative, as well as videos, uh, maybe interviews of, uh, of uh, thinkers uh, that are, you know, have been mentioned or quoted in the, in the book. Uh, so, yeah, the Substack Adaptive Economy is the big one in my email. And, uh, also at my events, I organize a lot of events all the time. So feel free to add me on, uh, on Facebook and, and see when I have, uh, events. I know jets you've been uh, attending some of them. Yeah. Uh, they
0: were great. So, so, yeah. Yeah. All right, John, I don't want to keep you here any longer. This was awesome, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for sharing with us all these wonderful ideas. And uh, it's very optimistic, you know, like, uh, you know, we know all these things going on in the world. It's, it's refreshing to hear from someone who has a, has a, has a list of solutions that they've really been working on and is working towards someone. Thanks, man. You've been your, your real inspiration
1: to us all. Thanks for the interview and uh, yeah. good luck. i looking forward to speak again very soon. For sure, man. Thanks.